1: Hi, everyone.
2: Thanks so much for listening to Vanity Fair. Still watching over the last year. We're taking a break for the holidays and we'll be back in early January covering the fourth season of True Detective. We're really excited about it. Spooky, uh, exciting, all that.
1: Yes, and it's even more exciting because it's starring the one and only Jodie Foster. A return to the small screen, very stern, very intense.
0: Chris is Jodie Foster's publicist. (laughs) Um, But yes, no, we actually are all very excited about this. We hope that you're going to come back uh, after each episode drops, listen to the podcast. We're going to be releasing it on Sunday starting January 14th.
2: But in the meantime, we wanted to share a great year in conversation from our friends at the New Yorkers Critics at Large podcast. It's in the Condé family. Hosts Vincent Cunningham, Nomi Fry, and Alexander Schwartz are. They're really smart. They're funny. They, they and they really have a great view of everything going on in culture. Really,
1: yes. Uh, in this episode, they take a look at the success of movies like Barbie and Megan. Oh my God, remember Megan? Um, that was this year. That really. was this yeah. year. It's yeah. Yeah. crazy. <laughs> books like The Guest and even Taylor Swift's Eras Tour to argue that 2023 was the year of the doll. Which I'm like, that's so true. Wait, I gotta listen to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they really hit on something with that. Um, we hope that you enjoyed the episode. We're definitely all going to listen to it. Um, listen and follow Critics at Large from The New Yorker, wherever you get your podcasts, um, and also still watching.
1: Yeah. Also, Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Welcome to Critics at Large, a podcast from The New Yorker. I'm Vincent Cunningham.
0: I'm Alex Schwartz. And I'm Nomi Fry. Each week on this show, we make sense of what's happening in the culture right now and how we got here. So, you guys, Mm. there comes a time in every critic's life, a very special time, Mm -hmm. when that critic is obliged to consider what this year has been about. And my friends, that time is now for us, the critics at large. Yes, let us join hands and decide
2: (laughs) what the year has been about. Let us
0: pray.
1: (laughs) Um,
2: Alex, would you like to do the honors... Oh, I would indeed. <laughs> well, as we three were sitting around discussing— Shooting the shit. Shooting the shit, as we do on a regular basis, <laughs> both on and off the air. tossing it
1: back and forth. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah.
2: And, and trying to come up with, you know, as Nomi says, this great critic's responsibility to take a chaotic mess of a year, as every year inevitably is, and come up with one dominant cultural through line, one narrative that will make sense of everything we've just experienced over these past 12 months— we came up with The Year of the Doll. That's right. The Year of the Doll. We have seen any number of cultural objects in which a cloistered woman, often used as a plaything by another person, breaks free of her circumstances and goes off into the wide world to learn something about it and about herself. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. Sure. I don't have anything big planned. Just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by.
1: The big example of this, uh, of course, is Barbie, which I finally watched yesterday. Yesterday, I was finally inducted into the cult of Barbie. I'm all about would you it. You
0: wear hot pink.
1: I if I if I knew exact that exact <laughs> Pantone, I would I, it would be my entire wardrobe. But of if we
0: suddenly wore like full hot pink, <laughs> like seven thousand months after the movie premiered, I, I think, think that would make you chicer than chic.
1: I think <laughs> it would be really cool. Um, once we started to sort of toss this idea around, as you said, Alex, I saw it everywhere. There are all kinds of examples of it. One of my favorite movies kind of campily this year was Megan, like, oh, um, yes. the like the animate sort Megan. of like female Megan. Chucky. Hi I'm Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Okay.
0: Yeah, it is everywhere. I mean, there's so many examples where we have this figure of the doll either like an actual doll. Right. But Mm -hmm. then also, if we think about it a little bit more broadly and metaphorically, you know, we've had Yorgos Lanthimos' new movie Poor Things, which just came out starring Emma Stone as a sort of like Frankenstein-like invention. She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. We've had uh, Priscilla, the Sophia Coppola biopic. Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. Of the Elvis Presley bride who is cloistered Here's in right. Graceland. Are you? Uh, 20, what? That's 22. 20. We've had, you know, to go to the fashion end of things, kind of doll like fashions taking over the TikTok sphere. Bows, velvet, you know, sequins. <laughs> We've had. Taylor Swift.
2: We're about to go on a little adventure together, and that adventure is going to span 17 years of music.
0: Time's um, person of the year and her era's tour with all of its glittery, girly glory, which is kind of doll-like in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, the list just goes on and on, okay? So today, we're going to be tracing this idea of the doll across the culture of this past year, and we'll talk about how this trend maps... Onto the political reality of today as well, where women's agency over their own bodies has become a newly radical idea in the time since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. This is Critics at Large from The New Yorker. Our show today is 2023, the year of the doll. Okay, so let's start with the obvious. Barbie. A movie about a literal doll, (laughs) 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 which grossed $1.44 billion, (sighs) the highest grossing film of the year, and the 14th highest grossing film of all time. Is that
1: true? That's real?
0: It's real. Oh, Oh, my God. Directed by Greta Gerwig. Yeah. And I want to start off by asking you guys. Especially, Vincent, because since you Mm -hmm. just—you kind of sidestepped this— The whole moment. The whole moment. Yeah. um, What do you guys make of this movie's
1: popularity? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I thought—I was pretty enthusiastic about it. I Mm -hmm. liked it a lot. You liked it, right? You texted
0: us after, and you were like, I'm into it.
1: It's great. Yeah. To your point, that's exactly what happened. I sidestepped the sort of uh, initial critical discourse, which had a lot to do with, you know— whether the politics of this movie were somehow revolutionary which mm-hmm. of course they are not yeah. they are there are things we've heard but what's it's funny which I didn't really get from the initial raft of speech about yeah. this movie it's funny mm-hmm. it it sort of takes place on two levels you can always feel the sort of Critical intelligence of Greta Gerwig, as transmuted through the narration of Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. who is talking a lot at the beginning and telling us about like about Barbie Land.
2: Thanks to Barbie, all problems of feminism and equal rights have been solved.
0: At least that's what the Barbies think. After all, they're living in
1: Barbie Land. And about the sort of the the beautiful lives that all the Barbies live, especially what they call stereotypical Barbie. Which uh, is Margot Robbie. Which is Margot Robbie, right?
0: Because we should know that, of course, there's Barbies of all stripes. You know, there's That's right. like Dr. Barbie, like there's Scientist Barbie, there's Dr. Barbie, there's,
2: you know... There, President there, there, Barbie. There's President Barbie. Supreme Court Justice Supreme Barbie. Supreme Court Every Justice Barbie. Every role that can be performed is performed by Barbie. By it's, a Barbie. Liberal, it's a liberal
0: utopia. Uh,
1: That's right.
0: And uh, it's a world in which the patriarchy has been banished.
1: Obviously, right, like, this all gets complicated when Margot Robbie, Barbie, is suddenly has what she first says, you know, sort of thoughts of death.
2: Maybe some thoughts of death? Thoughts of death? Is that a problem? Oh. What?
1: I've heard of this. Of course, I didn't think it was possible. It. And so she has to make a journey into the real world. Oh, you've done it. You've opened a portal I didn't open a portal. Someone did. And now there is a rip in the continuum that is the membrane between Barbie land and the real world. If you want to be stereotypical Barbie perfect again, the baby girl, you got to go fix it. You're going to keep going funny.
0: Alex, how do you think the movie helps build up our archetype of what this
2: figure of the doll is through Barbie. in one sense, it helps that she's a literal doll. (laughs) 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 And we all know her. There's that. And we've always known her as long as any of us has been alive and for many generations prior. Um, But I think in our archetype of the doll, we're talking about a beautiful woman played by Margot Robbie, as we've said, uh, who fits in into not just the stereotypical Barbie ideal, but kind mm-hmm. of the stereotypical ideal of of white female beauty, thin, blonde, big blue eyes. And uh, life is easy for her. Life is good for her. But that's in part because it is so cosseted. Yeah. The doll figure has to both learn about The real workings of the universe, her own position in it, and has to grapple with the ways in which certain of her advantages don't actually confer significant political power on her. That in order to achieve that political power, in the case of the Barbie movie, she has to work together with the other Barbies to retake what has been taken from them. Um, With the other Barbies and also crucially with the real-life
0: woman – Uh, Mattel, administrative assistant played by America Ferreira, who clarifies to her what it is like to be a real woman in the world. And as you know, I'm sure one of the one of the most um, quoted passages in this movie is this speech Uh, The soliloquy that uh, the America Ferrars character gives about how impossible it is to be a modern woman. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says
2: thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also
1: everything is your fault.
0: It's about the fallacy of having it all right. Um, She's like. Our representative in that world, the non-Barbie woman viewer, gets to be like, "Yeah, right, you know, exactly." At that
2: moment, <laughs> exactly, and you know, and Barbie's role in that instance is to discover, as the doll, that real women have uh, that there are difficulties that they face. That if she accepts the challenge of becoming, you know, a real girl. To Pinocchio's real boy, That's this right. is this is just, you know, <laughs> just thrown out references here, Pinocchio. It's true. It's true. That, you know, it comes with a bunch of not so great stuff that she's going to have to nav- navigate as well. And of course, one of the points of the movie is that the warts and all life is actually worth it. Right. Rather than living in a kind of
0: fool's paradise. Right. Of, of a supposed utopia, being in the real world with all its difficulties is is uh, kind of a, a worthy endeavor. Right. 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 So this brings us to another film I really wanted to talk about with you guys. And it's a new movie. It's out in theaters now uh, called Poor Things. It's directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and written by Tony McNamara, which also, I think, shares with Barbie this thrust of a doll like figure who goes out into the world and discovers that things are maybe a little bit more complicated than she might have guessed. Th- does anyone want to give me like a, a brief synopsis of how she came to be this sure. sort of doll-like figure who didn't go out and then suddenly like breaks into the world and so on?
1: That's right. She's, um, um, Well, we learned sort of a little bit into the movie that Bella Baxter, who is the sort of the Frankensteinian creation of Godwin, Uh, Dr. Godwin Baxter, Baxter, a a sort of mad scientist figure played by the amazing Willem Dafoe. I must uh, betray my sympathies toward this act. I love Willem Dafoe. He's the man. Um, Mm -hmm. We learn that she was in a former life a a young woman uh, who – a young woman, pregnant woman, who decides to end her own life. She jumps off of a bridge. And uh, Dr. uh, Baxter finds her. Um, performs an insane surgery whereby he um, excises the child from her, performs the most nefarious C-section ever depicted in film, um, takes out the child's brain and implants it into the, the, the child's fetal developmental brain and places it into the body of uh, Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, therefore creating a kind of woman child uh, who he will watch develop from a child in this accelerated way, kind of, um, into a young woman in the body of an already um, adult woman. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella.
0: Oh. 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 Bud. Oh. Blood. Bud. Blood. Blood. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. She's like a baby, right? She's sort of like, you see her toddling, or a toddler, I guess you could say. She she sort of like physically toddles around, like barely keeping her body upright. This is uh, occasion to much hilarity. You know, she's like, Emma Stone is a fantastic actress and a Mm -hmm. fantastic like comic actress as well. So there's there's a lot of... um, laughs to be had with her sort of playing this like full-grown beautiful woman who's who's kind of like right. lacks. you know she pees on the floor there's there's all of that
1: she speaks in this highly Id- idiosyncratic half baby half raised by a scientist way yes. right yes I, like, um I, I have made discovery she yeah learns, yeah she like, learns Bella's how made to master. she
0: talks about herself in the third person yeah. you know yes. bella baxter you
2: know
1: and like and what's similar to me about this with barbie is that um the entity, this in this case Bella, is a sort of. I kept on thinking about the the uh, figure of the golem, G O L E M, mm-hmm. the 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 sort of creation of of dust and air in Jewish mysticism, right? That like and mud and mud, which is is like. Um, is a projection of the hopes and wishes and desires and needs and fantasies of the maker and is like sent forward into the world purely as that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, uh, the idea is free will, agency itself, um, must out. That that somebody, even even a creation of somebody else's pure will, will... um, Embark on their own journey. And this is what Bella does.
0: Uh, You know, for me, like you mentioned the golem, uh, Vincent, and that's a great comparison. But it's also kind of to me, this is coupled with a kind of my fair lady, my fair lady ish Mm -hmm. uh, plot or narrative where like Godwin Baxter. And uh, this young assistant he hires, this mm-hmm. Max McCandles. Max McCandles, played by Rami Yusuf, who's who's great, really as well. good in this. Really, I really good at like this. Made Surprisingly me him. good. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, he's great. Um, they try to teach her to be a lady, you yeah. know, to be a woman, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one of the the main ways the movie suggests. Uh, that uh free will will out mm-hmm. as as you know Vincent is the sexual component right. of this uh this woman who's fully a woman you know even though she's like much behind intellectually and emotionally certainly and so there are all of these very funny scenes and it it it, it kind of like gains steam as a narrative as a narrative uh, uh kind of point over the course of the movie where Bella discovers that she's horny, and she it starts by her like masturbating with like a piece of fruit, with an apple, yeah, and uh, and an apple significantly, an apple, yes. Just right. think of Eden, my friends, yeah, That's Eden, right. yeah. It's not even. I mean, later is it a banana? I feel like she she tries right. a lot of different. She attempts a banana, but an apple yeah. is the apple <laughs> is <laughs> the, the fruit of her enlightenment. It's right. the fruit of her enlightenment. Very right. true. Very true. And, and then of course. The men are horrified, right horrified and yet aroused you know there's there's <laughs> that whole thing, and the kind of like male fantasy component of this doll figure who's like she's a little baby, but she wants to fuck, you know like th- this <laughs> sort of like
1: all she wants to do is
0: like you know so it's so it's like this thing that definitely is like. Which it's also we should talk about Barbie in relation to that because it's quite different. That's right. Sure.
2: Well, when I first saw this movie in September, my thought was, holy shit, this is Barbie with a twist. It's in both cases. It's about a beautiful woman who doesn't really understand the currency that that holds out in the broader world. Entering the broader world with a silly male companion, in the case of Bella Baxter in Poor Things, her silly male male companion, the Ken to her Barbie, is the character of Duncan Wedderburn, played by Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) Also so
0: good. I know you're upset with me. Forgive my kidnapping of you, but it was for love, a
1: romantic jape. Don't be such a cunt about it. I want a drink. Of course, my darling. The ship is fun, a whole world to explore you love me, I love you. Describe the elements I should be looking
2: for within myself, to be sure. You just feel it or not. So it is no evidence base, as God would say. So how judge it empirically? What the
1: fuck are you talking about? Who are are you? You don't know what bananas are, you've never
2: heard of chess, and yet you know it empirically. Coming back to the idea of the doll in both of these movies, I think the real question, especially around sex in Poor Things, is... Who is the doll for? You know, what is discussed in the beginning um, when Bella begins to gain more control over her body, at least, is basically like, you know, Max McCandles, the Rami Yusuf character, asks um, her creator, Godwin Baxter— did you create her to have sex with? Like, did you basically make a living sex doll? Yeah. And the answer is, no, no, but that's because I'm a eunuch. Um, why don't you do it? Right. Why don't we marry her to you? Yeah. And so when she enters the world, it's through sexual agency because she gets really, you know, excited by the idea of running off and having a lot of sex with Duncan Wedderburn, mm-hmm. which they proceed to do. And then, of course, she it calls it out, furious jumping. Furious jumping. Beautiful. Um, But he can't control her. And sh- this unleashed passion, you know, and and sexual agency, of course the stuff that men have tried to control for as long as there have been men and women, can't be controlled by Duncan, can't be controlled by anyone, and becomes, like, this sort of seat of her liberation. Like, if we want to get into brass tacks, I think that plot line goes totally off the rails.
1: Okay, so she becomes a sex worker in Paris and her, even though she is literally the plaything of men, she is under the sort of economic control of a female madam mm-hmm. and then she finds a female lover inside the brothel
2: mm-hmm. is it a brothel inside it's the brothel, a brothel. it's yeah. definitely hundred percent a brothel right
1: and this is like i think this is meant to sort of gradually sort of the sort of disappearance of men from the direct sexual control over her is supposed to i think be a sort of uh a, an arc in a kind of completion of that yeah um initial sex dollish nature of of Bella is that
2: yeah i think yeah, you're no, totally right that, that it's supposed to i also yeah. find it like incredibly facile as um sure. just an escape from the problem like the conditions that exist for mm-hmm. this brothel are not you know there's a joke in the movie where she says wouldn't it be better if Um, We we chose are the men because wouldn't everyone feel better if we liked having sex with these men instead of being chosen by them? And it's explained to her, no, silly, silly, of course not. So she's put in a position in which she has no choice. And there is one really ghastly moment where she realizes, oh, this is not about me at all. After all this fun consensual sex, I'm about to basically be raped by a John. But – uh, he turns out not to be very good in bed. And so it becomes fun again. And she realizes she can kind of twist it to her own making. And that I find just like a big lie of. Yeah. Of the movie I mean, and I think I th- this idea of sexual agency. I- that, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I totally agree. I mean, I love this movie. I loved it like a 100 times more than Barbie. Sorry, Barbie. I mean, I think Barbie was, you know, the,
1: the Barbie's fun. This is, to Barbie's me, this is fun. Yeah.
0: This is an amazing movie. I totally agree with you. However, Alex, like there's this huge blind spot there, you know, of this sort of, like, male fantasy of not just um, the idea of this beautiful woman who's just, like, up for anything and will always be like, yeah, I want to have sex, but also just in the sense of her uh, emotional landscape being um, consistently detached. It's it's kind of like it's that in itself is, of course, a complete
2: fantasy that this doll figure is able to um maintain Right. In one way, I see what you're saying, Naomi, I think it's really interesting. Like, in one way, the doll of Bella Baxter comes off as totally liberated because she escapes the constraints of the desires of both the men who have created her and the man who thinks that he can possess her. But at the same time, she mimics a different kind of total male desire, which is like the woman who has no feelings and basically yes. can't become yes. needy. Because Exactly. She be- can't be needy. Yes, she needs she- nothing from you. She needs nothing from you. And that might be what drives you mad, but also makes her totally alluring and endlessly irresistible. Yeah, uh, I agree with you that I think it's a really great movie and I also think that it is just attached to its own... It's just attached to itself. To me, it goes on too long. its own conceit. Yeah, it's attached to its own conceit. It goes on a bit too long and it doesn't really allow the real person to form out of of the doll-like figure. So I think in some ways there you stay stuck in in doll land yeah, stuck yeah. In doll land.
1: my friend did mention something yesterday that was really interesting was like how how perfectly like laser shaved uh bella baxter is through that whole movie um who's doing 100%, all that shaving? here's anyway. some
2: questions i have about that movie yeah who's shaving her armpits okay yeah, is it prim noticed,
0: is it nurse prim i noticed the i noticed the armpits thing i was glad however she had pubic hair Oh my God, so much about this movie is, it's a fantasy, it's a fantasy. Okay, guys, glitter, bows, women trapped in a vortex of <laughs> desire and capitalism. Join us as we continue our exploration of the year of the doll.
1: Hells yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, you guys, Barbie, Poor Things, you know, two central texts of the last few months Mm -hmm. that talk about dolls. But there's always more, right? And I want to hear from you. What else have we got in terms of our doll-like year?
1: Yeah, one of my favorite films of this year, um, visually, I'll say. Maybe it wouldn't make my top ten just, like, my favorite films, but I love the way it looks, Mm -hmm. is Sofia Coppola's uh, Priscilla. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who do we have here? Well, Elvis, this is Priscilla Brugio.
0: What do you say, Maybe we go someone quiet. Just what is the intent here, Mr.
1: Presley? What you got? Women right, th- it came out in theaters about a month or so ago, and it's starring, and this matters, I think, the teeny-weeny Kaylee Spaney as Priscilla Presley and the human giant... Jacob Elordi as Elvis. I think they make a lot out of the difference in these two heights.
2: Incredible casting. The, the yeah. doll yes. of Kelly
1: Spaney is... Elordi is, yeah. really,
2: is really good in this movie. And she's good, too. Yeah. yeah. I thought she was excellent. And she is, as you say, Vincent, she is doll-like in every particular. She's tiny.
1: Um, she's a young girl living on... 14
2: years old. 14 I years believe. old.
1: Yeah. I, I believe that's Ninth correct. Um, her family, she's sitting in a... In a diner, and some guy, some emissary of Elvis comes over to her and says, Hey, um, Elvis Presley's throwing a party, and he, he, I think he would really like you. I think he, you know, this, this like truly like, I'm sorry, like Epstein Island level of like recruitment yes. and, and, and horror. It's like one it's of the. It's a
0: horror it's, movie. It's a
1: horror movie. And. You guys,
0: please, it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Um, no, and and so and and that's very scary. And she goes to live with him uh, while she is in uh, still in high school, and he like he he and his father uh, Vernon Presley mm-hmm. become Vernon. her Ooh. wardens. While yeah, it's it is grisly. Um but what it does is show through really like through interior design mm-hmm. how, what it is to belong to someone to be you know barbie uses the metaphor i think very well of the dollhouse right um yeah as a as a place that can be like a, a gilded cage right a beautiful yeah uh, uh, something that seems beautiful can be also the agent of your um imprisonment um in this case it's like literally elvis's bedroom it's this over decorated overly plush space that's very beautiful but so it's like her and him in this room Two, three days at a time. Um, and she belongs to him.
0: You know, she she basically becomes completely isolated. It's like, you know, R. Kelly-level shit. And, but- like,
1: it, it's interior design and it's also fashion design because there, there are many there are scenes of Alice being like, you don't look good like that. Oh, yeah. You should dye yeah. your hair like that. This is what I want you to wear. So she becomes literally— She's
2: his doll. Yeah, yeah, he's he's shaping her for his um, current and future use. You know, it—, it There always is the question that we have to ask, which is who is the doll for? In this case, obviously, the doll is for Elvis. I mean, it does remind me of A Doll's House, the classic play, which was Mm -hmm. also on Broadway this year with Jessica Mm -hmm. Chastain, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know. The Ibsen play? Yeah, Yeah. the Ibsen play. I would absolutely say that the Ibsen play is revival is another year of the doll artifact. And, of course, the point of A Doll's House is that a woman's life is made for the man who she serves. That is the 19th century Point that Ibsen is making, and then famously in a doll's house, Nora breaks out of the hold that Torvald, her husband, has placed on her and decides uh, to leave and to leave her life. You know, in the case at the very end, at the very, very end, which is similar to Priscilla as well, which is similar to Priscilla. um, I watched this movie yesterday, probably while Vincent was watching Barbie. (laughs) Absolutely loved it. Um, Priscilla, you loved it. I loved Priscilla.
0: I know that I didn't. No, no, I liked it. What I. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I liked. And then I'll tell you what I loved. Okay, I liked it. <laughs> what I liked about this movie, I went to see it with my husband, who was, like, practically snoozing throughout. And he was like, it was, like, absolutely boring. I liked that it was boring. Like, I liked the sort of, I respect the deadness of this movie. That's a really good way to say that, yeah. You know, it's like a monitor with a heartbeat where it's like barely, (laughs) you know, it's like (laughs) flat, almost flatlining. And I respect that rhythm and cadence and I think it really shows what it's like to be a doll Mm -hmm. under someone else's... Control you know um i couldn't say I felt passionate about it as you seem to to feel, uh, Alex.
2: I just love the horror elements and how horror can be a trapping of um or how rather the trappings of a very elevated bourgeois lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is what she's mm-hmm. living at Graceland, mm-hmm. are themselves um you know the 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 elements of horror um One thing occurs to me that also occurs to me in relation to pour things into Barbie, which is the role and status of motherhood. Um, Mm. You know, in the world of Barbie, one reason when I saw the movie, when I first saw the movie, I thought, huh, you know, how have all these – how have the Barbies managed to have it all, to have these great <laughs> figures of you know, positions of power and to run the world that they live in? And one answer is they have no obligations to anyone but themselves. They have no mothering mm-hmm. obligations, which have been used historically to deprive women of rights in broader society by chaining them to the home. So you know there's one mother barbie character midge who is isolated and kind of pushed to the side she she's actually pregnant she's not yet a mother mm-hmm. right. and of course in the real world the america fur character is a mother and has obligations to her daughter and sure. has tension with her daughter mm-hmm. over what it means to mother and be mothered then in poor things you have someone who is her as godwin baxter explains her own mother and her own daughter simultaneously also has had all bodily agency removed from her when it comes to when it comes to that question um and then in priscilla she becomes mother and one thing that happens is that she has to make actual decisions for her daughter and she has some kind of real responsibility to another living creature and that is really i would think one thing that pushes her to have to leave this total trap that she actually has to have responsibility and have some kind of you know action which
0: you know in another uh doll text uh, I, I, I'd like to discuss today is Emma Klein's The Guest, right, where we have this protagonist. Her name is Alex. <laughs> Alex. Yes, hello. hello. Um, who is portrayed kind of uh, in abstract strokes, right? We know she is very attractive, though maybe not model beautiful. She's white, you know, mm-hmm. as as we should note, all of the protagonists we've been discussing so far have been, and this is a point we'll return to. Um, and she is a, a sex worker. The book opens uh, in the Hamptons. It's summer. She has become the sort of consort of this wealthy older man. He doesn't know she's a sex worker, but he is – it's clear also that he is aware that the relationship is kind of transactional. She gives him v- value as a man, and he gives her uh, – money <laughs> right. right and a place to stay and uh, this book takes uh takes place over the course of uh six days uh where alex you know fucks up the bag <laughs> you know is like <laughs> makes a mess as she she's really wants to do yeah. the guy uh she lives with is like you out go back to the city i'm buying you a ticket back to the city i don't want to see you anymore and she decides that instead of going back to the city She's going to remain in the Hamptons, kind of like uh, tough it out somehow. And so it's kind of an odyssey where she is once again thrust out, you know, as in these other narratives, mm-hmm. uh, thrust out of kind of like a, a relatively cloistered space where she was comfortable and, and you know, kind of knew her role into survival mode. And we as as readers get to see her journey and how— she is affected by it or not and
2: how much agency she can exert. Uh, over the world yeah this is not a journey of female empowerment from lack of knowledge to knowledge um i think this makes a great pairing with priscilla there is very (laughs) there's very little difference between the figure of alex and the figure of priscilla i think one huge difference is just precarity that alex is really scraping by she has made herself into a doll of her own creation based on what she thinks the desires of um you know how she can fulfill the desires of men i think like nomi what you were saying before about both she and her boyfriend uh Understanding the deal, the arrangement they're in, she of course, meanwhile, has no money of her own to speak of, and her very existence depends on her continuing to find favor with uh, people in his world. You know, a book that the guest and I do just want to say that I am friends with its author. Um, I am as am I. I am a huge fan of the book and also friends with Emma Klein, its author. But you know the guest um to me is really in conversation with the house of mirth we've talked about Edith Lennox yes. on our costume yeah. drama episode but that but this the degree to which um a young woman without her own means finds herself really trapped and dependent uh, by making herself beautiful, by playing the game. Um, you know, it's... it's The, the Guest is a really chilling book because you see how little that currency buys her in the end, and mm-hmm. also you see why she can't quit it, why being a doll seems to her like the solution, and why well, she ends up getting trapped, you know, basically out of the doll's house. The doll's house closes to her, and she has no other environment she can live in.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if 2023 is the year of the doll, I guess the obvious question is, why? That's in a minute on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie, Challengers. It in Zendaya, at the center of a tennis triangle and a very
2: steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people in a game meant for two.
0: Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so guys, the, the the question I have is why is this happening right now? Obviously, dolls have been with us from the dawn of time, <laughs> uh, but now they're back in a big way, and what do we also make of the quote-unquote political awakening aspect of these stories?
2: Well, there's one really clear place to start for me at least, which is the undoing of Roe v. Wade last year, mm-hmm. and it's— uh, just a hellstorm of effects that that have um, that have been unleashed into the into our world. Um, you know, we can't say that's the reason that something like Barbie exists, or the reason certainly that something like Poor Things exists. No, you know, and also movies, of course these movies have been a development for a long a development, time. But they are a huge reason, um, and to me, perhaps the reason why they hit so hard right now, and why um, this theme is a is a theme that's worth addressing. You know, obviously, American women right now are at a low point of control over our bodies. We're recording while Kate Cox in Texas has become the, a focal point for the nation, um, mother of two trying to get an abortion because of um, abnormalities with her pregnancy and being denied it uh, by the male attorney general of Texas. I mean, talk
0: about a horror story. I mean, we're this watching is, a horror yeah.
2: story unfold, and there are many other examples, both publicly known and not. Um, So this question of control and autonomy over women's lives and women's bodies is simply huge. I mean, there are other aspects of doll culture, like the fashion aspects, like they're kind of fun um, and honestly, like enjoyable and great aspects of 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 doll culture coming out. And some of that may be, like, a bit of a girl power from the 90s thing re- having a resurgence, Yeah, perhaps even in the face of some of these political threats, a sense of, like, yeah, we want to embrace a very obvious um, and fun aspect of femininity.
0: And, and I think a lot of these... Um, more kind of like design elements, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or kind of like community building through fashion elements, whether it's like on the Taylor Swift tour or um, kind of doll-like fashions taking over the TikTok sphere, bows, velvet, you know, sequins, <laughs> position themselves as empowering, right? And certainly the Barbie trend of wearing pink, hot pink to to the movie theater, you know, and kind of being like, I am... Barbie woman, Barbie core, right? They, mm-hmm. they call it like, Barbie core. I am Barbie woman. Hear me roar. You know, we're forced to be reckoned with, um, you know, recalling in some ways the kind of pussy, pussy hat of, of you know, 2016 and 2017. Right. A kind of depoliticized Post-Trump. pussy hat. maybe A depoliticized, but, you know, arguably somewhat politicized uh, kind of version of, of uh, female empowerment. Right. And another thing to say about this Are dolls always white women? Right. Is this about like Mm -hmm. an awakening of white women to conditions that, say, women of color have experienced for, you know, way harsher ways and way longer? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like Barbie suddenly being like, oh, wait, you know, the real world sucks. (laughs) <laughs> what yeah. do you mean I can't get an abortion in Texas?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean to have that realization, you have to be um, idealized by the culture to begin with. You yeah. have to be you held up. You have to have up. something to gain. Yes, and you, and you have to be held up as an example of, you know – ideal femininity, which in our culture is almost always rendered as a white phenomenon. Mm-hmm, so, right. yeah, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense that we're talking about we're, we're doing our white studies episode, as we've joked, you know, we're talking yeah. about a bunch of <laughs> white women who think life is pretty good, discover actually that it's a ploy and then have to go out into the world and and reckon with reality as opposed to been, having been um, forced to do that reckoning at a much earlier point. Um mm-hmm. You know, Nomi, what you're saying um, puts me in mind of this essay by Susan Faludi that Mm -hmm. I was reading. Um, I think she published it last year. You know, Times. Susan Faludi argued that we've become so obsessed with pop culture feminism over the past, you know. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Katy Perry saying, I'm actually a
2: feminist. Miley
0: Cyrus being like, I'm a feminist. Yeah, the past
2: 10 years, I would say, basically, this, you know, putting feminism on T-shirts, basically, and, um, right, all kinds of pop figures saying, like, I am feminism. I represent it. That, of course— um, the eye has been taken off the ball. And meanwhile, women's rights have been so rolled back. Um, you know, once again, of course, we're sitting around here discussing culture, but is the culture now ready to grapple with that? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: well, I think it's this is where we sort of reach the crossroads of where culture is not always uh, totally equipped to take on uh, the nuances of a, a, a political moment, right? Because it, art is always stuck between... Representation on the one hand and rhetoric on the other, right? So it's like if you want to talk about what Barbie has been, it has to be Margot Robbie, and so you know, that is a rep- that is a representational reality that might not always fulfill the rhetorical needs of a more n- nuanced, which
0: is part of the which is of feminism, part of right?
1: the, prob- which why, the problem. Yeah, which is why, yeah, which is why like by the way, a non-white woman like America Ferrara has to be the one to come in and give the speeches. Yes. You yes. know what She's, I mean? Like, yes. She comes in and does the rhetorical does part the work, that the representation right. of Barbie can't do. Yes. Yeah. Um, Very true. And and in Lanthimos, there's a nihilist character played by the comedian Gerard Carmichael who's like, brings Bella and watches this awful scene of poverty, dead children, all these, these these beggars. And she just has has a days long freak out about it, and, um, <laughs> right? It's like a in a she's very just, like
0: quote unquote white woman way, like, right?
1: Right. Um, liberal tears, but um, <laughs> there. In any case, right? Th- this problem of I think it's I think is totally right to point out that culture as an and especially like sort of doing the Greta Gerwig move of like I'm going to try to sneak my messages into this movie that is at the end of the day, an ad for Mattel, how could it not be, right, that there are trade-offs. But I think that's only a metaphor for the larger problem of what art can do about politics at all.
0: I think one of, one of the points is that there's this oscillating between empowerment and disempowerment, right? Like, where are we with this figure? Is it giving us more, as women, right, is it giving us more, um, more power, more agency, more strength, Or is it just like another clever way (laughs) to be kept within the realm of, of, you know, not the realm of politics?
1: Well, it's funny. I think at its best, these representations, almost like what they teach us is contained within your question. Because Mm -hmm. it seems to me Mm -hmm. that one of the big sort of even more generalizable lessons of this trope, let's say, is that what we think is a step forward, Mm -hmm. what we think is positive is often a kind of feedback loop that, it, that takes us back, right? The premise of Barbie is that she is an invention that thinks that she has helped. Bella is, after all, an agent of a kind of science. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to f- zoom all the way back out, most of us believe that the work of Roe v. Wade was done. I think if, if that is a message that we could all grasp for many reasons across our culture, that, like, um, a step forward is not a permanent thing,
2: the rug can be pulled right. out at any moment. If
1: we could all learn that, I think that would be a positive thing. That would help us.
2: Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, that's very interesting, Vincent. I mean, when I'm thinking about the doll and the figure of the doll, it also has to do with this big American idea of agency and um, and selfhood and rugged individualism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that these doll movies all have to do with is the idea of, what is free will and what is willed by those who pull the strings you know um and to a degree these are questions that all of us have to reckon with like there is if we're all dolls then as barbie shows there is power in banding together and actually mm-hmm. changing the circumstances that we operate under and you know determining that we have to be in control of um you know we have to be the ones doing the controlling but you know, on on her own, a single doll may believe that she is doing things that she wants to do. She wants to go to the mall because this is the, the, the purest expression of her true selfhood. Well, no. 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 Yeah, quote, unquote, I'm doing it for myself, feminism. Right. I'm doing it for myself, feminism, me time, feminism, you know, whatever. All things that are good maybe in small doses, but a greater um, political will <laughs> needs to be activated. And we are actually seeing it um, being activated across the country as— you know abortion does become this huge issue for the 2024 election so in a lot of ways you know i don't know about the good versus bad question um i like to dodge those kinds of questions sometimes
1: and simply (laughs) say that that dodge is called criticism
2: yeah that dodge is called criticism Well, (laughs) well simply i would like to simply say that i think that these huge frankly utterly existential questions are showing up in the guise of some really clever entertainment and are giving us new ways to think about things that actually matter a lot to our lives.
0: So before we go, we should mention that next week, instead of us in your feed, you will have instead Dolly Parton.
2: (laughs) Upgrade. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) So... We're sharing a great interview with Dolly that our colleagues at the New Yorker Radio Hour just put out. And we three are going to take a blessed break to relax and unwind. Guys, I hope you have a really good new year. I've really enjoyed the past three months.
1: Absolutely, guys. I hope you guys have a a great one.
2: Can't wait to see you in 2024, my friends. This has been
0: Critics at Large. Our senior producer is Rhiannon Corby, and Alex Barish is our consulting editor. Our executive producer is Stephen Valentino. Alexis Quadrado composed her theme music, and we had engineering help today from Gabe Caroga with mixing by Mike Kuchman. You can find every episode of Critics at Large at newyorker.com slash critics. And you can also email us now at themail at newyorker.com. We'd love to hear from you. Just make sure to include critics in the subject line. Your note will get to us faster. You can find all the New Yorkers' year end coverage at newyorker.com and read about why 2023 was the year of Ozempic or the year Picasso haunted us, along with good old fashioned best of lists. We'll be back with another Critics at Large episode in 2024. Until then, have great holidays and Happy New Year!